we're learning something new every day. And I think that's what keeps me engaged uh, beyond just like herbalism and helping people and spreading that message um, is just the like excitement of being like, well, never done this before. <laughs> we're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Smarter Destiny podcast, where this time we are joined by Lauren Haynes, the one and only founder and CEO of Wooden Spoon Herbs, which is a multi six-figure brand that has been bootstrapped from the very beginning. So, despite being bootstrapped, Lauren is very, very aware of the importance and responsibility to do good for the planet, and so they are um, aligned with 1% for the planet, and they donate 1% of their gross revenue to social causes, in this case, the medicinal plant conservation, which is very, aligned with what they actually sell and we're going to get into that in a minute so they sell worldwide they are certified organic and they are an, a holistic alternative to the westernized remedy approach okay so those supplements that you buy from the big farmer that might not be the answer folks we have a certified organic plant-based way more natural alternative for you that looks amazing by the way there is heart and soul in this brand and we're going to go into that in a minute as well but Lauren is definitely drawing on her own experience, her own background, because she's been a clinical herbalist for 10 years and counting. So we are going to learn a lot about what is growing out there, folks, that stuff that we've been ignoring and why we should not ignore it. So I am really, really excited for this. Um, I've looked through their brands. I've looked through their product names. And there is there's just, as I said before, there is soul in this brand. There is absolute Lauren through and through being just secretly portrayed amongst the products and so i think it's exciting i think it's going to be a good interview today folks so without further ado let's welcome lauren to the stage lauren how's it going how are you martin hi thank you so much for having me it's going well and i really appreciate that generous introduction fantastic thank you very much whereabouts in the world are you lauren so I am in the corner of the northwest corner of Georgia in the U.S. and I live in a little mountain town in a cabin in the woods. Oh, uh, that is. We're going to get into that as well. And congrats <laughs> on having better internet than me in your cabin <laughs> in the woods as well as today, as we've uh, we've already established. Technology is not playing fair, but that's okay. That's okay. So, Lauren. What we like to do on this show is we like to go back to a point in time. We like to go back to a point in time where you got bitten by that radioactive spider, a.k.a. Peter Parker in Spider-Man. It is the time where that is important to you and on your entrepreneurial story um, as a as a early milestone, shall we say. Have you got a point in your past in mind that you can take us back to and introduce Lauren of old, mm -hmm. the budding entrepreneur, um, and we can kick our story off today. Yeah, I think I've always had a very like, I can do that spirit. And as a child had so many like side hustles, like would sell homemade dog biscuits door to door. And then as a teenager, sold vintage clothes and just like um, always was like looking for like how I could just have a creative output. And somehow it was always kind of like as a business. Um, and 
my family on my mom's side, well, on both sides of my family, uh, I have entrepreneurs close in my lineage. My maternal grandfather had a shoe store called Bill's Discount Shoes, and my maternal uncle uh, had a perfume factory in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and then my paternal grandfather had a surveying business. So it's, it, was, it was modeled to me early on that like, this is a path that you can take. And, um, and so, yeah, I think that just struck me really early on. So it's been a consistent theme, but with Wooden Spoon in particular, uh, I was working at a cafe and the cafe had a coffee shop kind of as a sub business inside of it. And I was always bringing in herbal tea blends because I didn't drink coffee, caffeine averse, very sensitive. And finally, my boss at the cafe was like, what is in those jars? And I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> let me show you, you know? And he was like, can you, can you do this for us? Because it was, you know, a very like hyper local farm to table cafe and a very community um, endeavor, very much a community endeavor. And so I said, yes. And that's kind of how Wooden Spoon was born. And at first I was very shy about it and kind of hid behind like, you know, the waitress gig um, and would like serve the tea to people and be like, tell me what you think. Tell me how you feel about it. And kind of got some market research done that way. But yeah, that was kind of the turning point to where I am now. Wow. And what, what were some of the ingredients in your version one Lauren tea? Totally. So the cafe, we had a black tea, a green tea and an herbal tea blend. And what I would do is take really beautiful single estate, um, green and black tea and blend them with local ingredients from the farmer's market. For example, I one time went and made a ginger green tea with fresh ginger that I bought at the farmer's market and then chopped and dehydrated. And that was kind of like a version one tea. Um, so really just seasonal blends with whatever I could source locally. Beautiful. And and so, so we, we, we started with these, these teas where you had this captive audience, your boss was, was encouraging it and you're like, oh, that's, that's fine. I'm going to do my research and uh, my market research, get paid by the hour. Thank you, sir. <laughs> but, um, we started with teas, but now we have products that, um, that help with, um, menstrual pain. We have, we have products that, um, are very, uh, vague in their naming and very sort of, if you're not, if you don't know what it is, you know, you're not welcome kind of like, uh, called like light ray. Um, we have anxiety, um, herbal blends. We have all kinds of, um, incredibly potent, powerful, intriguing remedies now on your site. Um, can you tell us about that, that gap or that, that journey from, herbal teas with local farmers market ginger all the way through to uh, these these potent blends that you offer today. Absolutely. So in the early days, I did a lot of different product formats and I sold once a week at the farmer's market before my business was online direct to consumer. It was direct to consumer quite literally. Um, and again, like hyper local seasonal preparations based on what I could find at the farmer's market, grow in my garden, what I could source that was growing wild. Um, and did that for, for a, a little over a year when I decided to go full-time with wooden spoon. Um, and, and, and at the time in 2015, I brought the brand online, established my online presence through social, um, e-commerce site and all of that. And once I did that, I started offering these seasonal curation boxes, sort of like a community supported agriculture model for, um, herbalism and herbal supplements and was offering like, here's what you need for spring, summer, fall, and winter, which was very fun. But once I decided to go 
full time with Windspoon, which was January 1, 2016. Um, I quickly realized that I needed something more reliable for wholesalers because that was how I wanted to grow you know, my business or I didn't know any better. I was like, great wholesale. That's how this works. You partner with shops, you sell direct to consumer. It's a whole ecosystem. Um, so I developed our wholesale line, which is very much what we still have today. Amazing. And why was it important for you to, um, go organic to to have glass packaging to help the planet with your purchase all the things which by the way at smarter destiny we refer to as being an enlightened entrepreneur why was that intuitively important to you I think it's always been important to me as a kid. I remember just reading articles about why organic dairy was better for you and the planet and asking my mom like mom can we get organic dairy and she was like absolutely not you know <laughs> um, you know, like that's expensive and premium. Um, but it's been something I've always cared about. And so for a business that's all about holistic wellness, it doesn't make any sense to me to not extend that to be holistically beneficial for our, our earth, for the ecosystem, for our planet. Right. And I think that's like consciousness that's growing through plant-based through climate positive. Um, but it's always just been like a natural, uh, extension of, you know, the healing wellness products that we create. Nice. And so some of our early experiences with new brew have been very, um, raw and rustic. I mean, uh, I, I've, I've spoken on occasion about stories of having the various different raw ingredients, you know, out in front of me, spread out in muffin trays, like kind of doing the, the, the smell, the taste, the, how it absorbs in water, the, how it, how it clumps or doesn't clump in air and things like that. Like, like raw ingredients, particularly when you get really, really raw with those ingredients, they don't necessarily play ball. Can you tell us about some of your early, early experiments and like how you began to um, put together, for example, mm -hmm. your fire cider or your mushroom cocoa or your or your sweet dreams blend? Like um, how much fun did you have with the with the actual, um, you know, in the in the lab, so to speak, creation? So much fun. I think that's that's definitely my favorite part. And I think one of my strengths as um, an entrepreneur is that we that I do all the formulation so far comes from me. And even as we bring on support for that, I'm still largely driving that um, R&D product innovation process. Uh, in the early days, it was very much driven by my adventures in wellness, essentially. Like if I wanted to make a uh, hot chocolate on the stove top, it's like, okay, cool. What can I add to like enhance this, make it um, like a wellness experience or like get some herbs into my system through this. And that's kind of how our um, golden cocoa was born. Our mushroom cocoa was born and like all of these herbal hot chocolates we've developed. Fire cider is a very traditional herbalism preparation. And I think that's another huge inspiration for me is just continuing the lineage of herbalism through wooden spoon and not trying to act like we invented all of this stuff or, you know, we're reinventing the wheel, even though our products are very modernized and delicious and fun, there's still things that have been used for thousands of years. And I want to honor that always. So fire ciders was something I've made. That was one of the first products we made. Um, and yeah, again, in the kitchen, like I remember, so you steep fire cider, you know, for a long maceration time, two to three weeks. And, um, 
So I would put, put the early, like tiny, like R and D batches over the heat vent to try to like speed up the process. So I can like taste them sooner. And early tincture experiments were like, that really helped me evolve and refine my formulation skills were, uh, my first tincture was for menstrual cramps. And I went through all of my herbal books and just put in every herb that said it was like anti-spasmodic or like quote unquote for menstrual cramps. And I genuinely had about like 18 or 20 herbs in that formula. And it like, didn't work. It like did not work. Right. Because you need simplicity and, and, you know, synergy and elegance and like all these pieces that go into a truly wonderful formula. Um, so yeah, just like so much trial and error and, and had so much fun along the way and still have so much fun with formulation and coming up with new product ideas. And so would you say that you're, you're in addition to um, chief scientist, you're also chief guinea pig, like, um, you know, self trying, or have you got like a group around you that are like, Hey, I, Hey Lauren, I'll, I'll try whatever it is that, that you know, your latest concoction. I, I mean, like when, when you're, when you're on the edge here and you're creating something new, there's no precedent, right? Like how did you approach that kind of testing phase? Definitely. So we do a lot of customer interviews and ask them how they're using our products, what they would like to see, and also just what they use in general that we're not making. Um, and like, is that something we can want to make sense to make? Um, so yeah, I'm definitely chief guinea pig. And as we have grown and evolved as a business, we've built out like a focus group of friends, family, and brand BFFs that help us um, test new things. Amazing. And now I would say, thanks to Netflix, mushrooms are a little bit mm -hmm. more on vogue, right? And um, things that um, many people have known prior to, to Netflix making them the mainstream mm -hmm. are becoming uh, becoming more transparent. You've got mushrooms in a number of your, your blends. How important... Um, to to you and your history is you know in your in your 10 years plus of of, of being a herbalist are mushrooms uh and, and why are they mm. if they're important why are they important? Mm -hmm. oh man that's a very huge question i am so excited that more and more people are getting excited about mushrooms in mycology from fantastic fungi and i think just like all the amazing products that are available now i think mushrooms to me i just think of them as like basically medicinal herbs because they are i use them the same way right like they are something that you can take every day well i'll pull back i'll say that mushrooms for me are more of that like foundational food as medicine support which is central to true wellness and holistic um healing and wellness i think that i love mushrooms like reishi shiitake maitake lion's mane because they're all delicious and edible first of all minus reishi right unless you make a tea but they really are that food is medicine and i think that's such a great starting point for people it's also so fun to learn about because here in the u.s especially the southeast where i'm based so many like all of the mushrooms i just named grow wild like around me you can see them you can learn about them you can buy them at the farmer's market now there's so many kits you can grow them at home so for me they are that foundational piece and they're yeah formative to wellness amazing so um t talking about the 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 manufacturing piece so i'll get i'll give you some background so recently we've had on the show um a gentleman named dash lily right and dash lily's the founder of a um a alcohol-free plant-based 
drinking company called mm-hmm. Three Spirit, right? And they they experiment with a lot of um, different herbs and, and plant baits. And, and, and he described a sort of typical scenario whereby they're around the conference room table and there's the, um, what they what they like to do, because it's a drink, they have like bartenders, like they're the masters of cocktail, you know, Tom Cruise in cocktail on one side of the table. And then they have the, the, um, the holistic plant um, experts, plant-based experts on the other side, right? And so we've got on one side of the table, the people who are like, I don't care what it tastes like. This one is the most potent. Let's put this mm-hmm. in. And then we've got the people on the other side going, no, but it doesn't mix well. It doesn't taste great, whatever, right? And and this is, that's the battle, right? That's the battle on their, on their table. And then once they've got that agreement, they go into the manufacturing process and they're like, Oh, shit how do we how do we manufacture this thing right this hasn't been done like how do we get this and distill this or get this into a, a into a usable um not volatile format that we can we can work with what kind of challenges do you remember um on your journey where, where you're just pioneering into the unknown here with um the, the fusing of various plant-based uh, materials yeah, definitely. So I think that with tinctures, which are our biggest category, best-selling and, and biggest in the products line, they are formats that have been used for hundreds of years. Like liquid extracts are a very old traditional format. And so therefore there's a lot of precedent for manufacturing. Um, as you scale that, it obviously becomes more and more of a challenge, especially as we pivoted to more alcohol-free formulas. That's always a challenge for shelf stability. Um, but I think finding the right manufacturing partner that you can genuinely talk to, um, work things out with, test with, like, I think manufacturing partners are everything. Like we found a partner who produce who essentially is making our product the same way we were making it on a tiny scale, but at a larger scale. And that, yeah, I think that's just, I think that those relationships are everything. Um, and I would imagine it's very similar for three spirits. Yeah, I, I imagine so as well. And I, and I think it's so important. And and, and like you said there, with the, with the manufacturing partner, it, it's very, very important that they're, they're aligned with your values. They're aligned with um, your your vision and they have the skill set and the scalability to do it. But but yeah they're not compromising where you're not willing to 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 compromise why is it important to conserve medicinal plants like why was mm-hmm. that the enlightened entrepreneur um uh cause that you chose to support as a company Yes. So our partner is called the United Plant Savers and they are a grassroots organization based in um Appalachian, Ohio. So traditional, a lot of traditional medicinal plants are grown in the Appalachian mountains, right? So we're talking about golden seal, ginseng, bloodroot, lady slipper, um, on and on and on. And in the late 1800s, early 1900s, the eclectic physicians that were headquartered in Ohio and through Appalachia um, were practicing largely with these plants. And so there became a huge industry for it. There's a ton of export to Asia, a ton of export to Europe, and these plants were over harvested to the brink of extinction. Luckily, they, you know, the landscape here is very mountainous with a lot of like coves and um, hidden places. So they, have been preserved just by virtue of that, but 
but there's no one really outside of this organization working to protect them. They are regulated. Their harvest and export is regulated through um, the Department of Game and Hunting, Fish and Wildlife, I think it's called, um, which doesn't provide a lot of protection outside of specific windows for um harvesting right so ginseng there's like ginseng season just like there's deer hunting season and i mean tennessee alone exports you know 2000 tons of ginseng root to asia every year because the wild population in in china for example is already extinct because of over over harvesting and these are plants that you can't really replace these are plants that do not have great analogs right so i think united plant savers does a lot of amazing work for conservation but also for education around this issue and um and a lot of research around what plants we can either use or combine as analogs for these plants that really we shouldn't be using and using outside of personal as needed um instances amazing so um I don't want to like over summarize or, or do a disservice, but like these these amazing plants that 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 we're utilizing in our day to day, you're ensuring um, through your responsible foresight that they are available to the future generations as well, and that 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 the that the people doing the the fine job of regulating and ensuring that they're not over harvested like they've been in other countries to ensure that they're actually around and they're flourishing and, 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 and looked after for the next generation as well. Exactly. And I think a lot of these plants, ginseng and golden seal are available in commerce, but many of them are not because they're just not easily cultivated. And that's the other part of the issue is that they're not, yeah, they're not easily cultivated. So we have to rely on wild populations and that puts a lot of pressure on the populations beautiful and so people who are listening to the show and they're going wow this this sounds like lauren's an expert and it sounds exciting and i want to get involved um with wooden spoon herbs i want to get wooden spoon herbs in my house in my belly right now where can they find out more about you and where can they find out more about your brand um, yeah, you can find out more about Wooden Spoon at woodenspoonherbs.com. We have an amazing journal section on the website that has tons and tons of articles about medicinal plants, about how to use them, recipes, interviews, all kinds of fun stuff. Our newsletter is also fantastic that has special content that you can't find anywhere else. Um, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok and Pinterest and Facebook at Wooden Spoon Herbs At Wooden Spoon Herbs. All right, fellas and ladies listening right now, woodenspoonherbs.com and at woodenspoonherbs and that tease with the newsletter is well worth you throwing your very best email into there to find out what it is that Lauren is going to reveal to you via email. All right, so at this point of the show, Lauren, we like to mix it up. We go into the rapid fire question round. I ask the questions quickly. You can dilly dally doodle or answer quickly. It's up to you. The speed is your choice. Are you up for that? Let's do it. All right, you two thumbs up, up for that. Let's see them. There we go. I've got to get the <laughs> thumbs out. It's important for this this particular thing. Right. Okay. Let's let's jump into it. Question number one: If you ever had to start again, how would you make your money? I would do the same exact thing. I would do exactly what I'm doing now. And uh, what would you do when you say you would do exactly what you you're doing now? Like, do you mean you would uh, bottle up plants and herbs, or do you mean like what do you mean? 
Yeah. Yeah. I would make uh, medicinal herbal preparations. Absolutely. It's truly my passion and calling and there's nothing else I'd rather do. Amazing. What's the most common or biggest mistake leaders make? Biggest mistake leaders make uh, micromanaging. Yeah. So what does micromanaging mean to you? Worrying too much if things are going to happen instead of trusting and empowering them to happen. What size is your team right now that you are macro managing? <laughs> Hopefully, uh, there's six of us right now. Brilliant, and and you've got you've got your experts in the different divisions that you've your trusted lieutenants that are exactly. crushing without you breathing down their necks. Exactly. Nice. Yes. Amazing. Who is a great leader, whether alive or dead, and why? Mm, Rosemary Gladstar, though niece, she's an amazing leader in the herbal space who's really been a torchbearer through the generations um, for down-to-earth, simple kitchen herbalism. Who, she's just made it very accessible and very uh, appealing to younger and younger generations. And that's really who I look to as inspiration to continue bearing that torch. Nice. I'm going to throw in an unscheduled question here. What are the top three herbs in your opinion? Well, there's no hierarchy in herbalism. It's all dependent <laughs> on the situation, but uh, top three off the dome are reishi mushroom um, because it touches, you know, so many, there's so many benefits because it touches so many body systems and really harmonizes and regulates them. Uh, neuroendocrine, digestive, um, you know, central nervous system, etc. And okay. So moving on from that, I'm going to say, uh, oat straw, which is just the thresh straw of the oat plant that we eat for breakfast and loaded with calcium, magnesium, so many minerals, very calming to the mind and body. And also, um, is a neurotropho restorative, meaning it just restores nervous system tissue physiologically. So it helps rebuild our nerves, which in layman's terms just means more nervous system resilience, feeling calmer in the moment, um, and building, you know, building back up that nervous system burnout and depletion. Very important. So we have reishi mushroom, we have oat straw, and then my third wild card is going to be, gosh, this is a struggle. Um, I keep wanting to, no, I'm going to say holy basil again, adaptogenic, uh, nootropic has a million benefits, tastes amazing, makes a very lovely tea great at the end of a long day. We have a lot of our products at wind spoon and I think it is just underappreciated. It's also very easy to cultivate, which is important when we think about global commerce and, uh, herbalism at scale amazing and and fascinating i I'm, I'm i'm fighting off the urge to ask you for your next seven of the top 10 but <laughs> right. we're, we're gonna leave it in the top three how do you hire top talent um working with industry specific recruiters and making sure that you put culture above pedigree um <laughs> because i think it matters the team culture matters over you know any specific um, credential or ego boosting kind of like, uh, yeah, credential. So I would just say trying to be industry specific coming, um, or finding people who have a background in a business very close to yours. So for me, I look for someone who has, who has that deep experience taking a business from, um, 
like very indie to more, you know, corporate at scale, like that's very important because I have so many blind spots as a found as a first time founder. So that's what I look for. Um, and yeah, team fit and culture and making sure the dynamic is always fun and balanced. I 100% agree with that. I, I think skills can be trained, but attitude is something that's kind of just there and, and alignment with values of the company is way more important than being there, done that. And often often you can't teach an old dog new tricks in my experience, right? Like if, if, if there's a, a, con, a considerable history of this is the way I've always done it, that can be very hard to to, to move into another way, particularly when the values aren't aligned. So I, I, I love that. And and filling in the blind spots as well is an is a incredibly important sentence there. And I love that. How do you identify a good business partner? Now, I know you're a founder, but like, um, you know, your lieutenants and so on, or, um, you know, other other businesses mm-hmm. you might be considering in the future. How do you, or even the head of your manufacturer, you could argue as a business partner, like, how do you identify a good business partner? Someone who's a good business partner is someone who shares a, shares a viewpoint on the world and the world's problems and is aligned um, aligned in the values, but like what I mean by that is someone who understands intrinsically why we're doing what we're doing and also what we're doing, because I think with, you know, supplements and herbs and it can be a bit overwhelming. So someone who really just gets it off the bat, like right now we are closing up our seed round. And so it's been, it's something I've been very like very aware of is like, how do you, how do you identify that? And I think for me, it's the energy of like, Oh, hell yeah, definitely. Like that's the energy I'm looking for in any kind of business partner is like, let's do this. Like, and, and just someone who gets it immediately. And I think while we're still at this scale, we have the luxury and privilege of finding that, you know, as we scale, we'll be pressed harder and harder, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how I identify. And then I think like with brand partnerships, it's people who are doing something similar to what we're doing in different industries and spaces, right? So someone who's doing things the right and hard way because it's the right thing to do sourcing wise and, um, you know, compensation for your team wise, like having a, you know, company wide minimum wage versus the national minimum wage. Just, I don't know, that's very specific, but I think just people who are, whose values are the same. Like what comes to mind for me is like Brightland olive oil, you know, now they have more products or sweet green or uh, Fishwife or all these amazing brands who are, yeah, kind of the wooden spoon, wooden spoons of their industry. Love that wooden spoon to their industry. I love, I love <laughs> that, that sounds well. terrible. Like, oh my god! It all comes. It all comes back down to to values, which which yeah is is so important. And um, yeah, a bad hire can be tremendously expensive if they don't uh, align with your values there. And so it's it's really really um, important and key that you, you've identified that that so early on. What is one of your proudest moments? Um. Well. I mean, there are a lot. I think proudest moments are closing up our seed round with an amazing roster of investment partners, uh, bringing on some all-star advisors that we will be excited to announce soon. Um, Every team meeting, I feel like is just more like everyone is my new proudest moment, just seeing everyone working together and growing in their positions and really like taking the message of Wooden Spoon out into the community. Um, 
Yeah, those are the most recent proud moments. Beautiful. How did you, I'm curious, how did you approach um, generating seed capital? And that's something that's that's terrifying for many, many founders out there. And, uh, you know, it's uncharted territory with with real sharks of finance, potentially, right? Like, how did you approach that? And like, what what um, what learnings did you did you yield from it? <laughs> um well you know seven you we're almost seven years in when we're raising our seed round right so we had a long runway to establish product market fit to figure out our positioning to figure out what we want to do to be successful to be profitable like there's a community we've built that you know we have such a solid foundation and it feels like the right time to put a little fuel to the fire um i think we would be a very different business had we done that initially and i you know like was so naive i had no idea that's even what people did or you know i just didn't know i didn't know that we didn't have money until about you know four years into the business being like oh okay this is how this works um so i think i really approached it organically and it was very much the right time i also was just very bold and would ask anyone anything um and really chase down some of those early investors and just tapped them on the shoulder and was like you know here's who i am here's what we're doing and would you like to be involved and uh, luckily they said yes. And I think it's really a process of, I think why it takes so much time because I, in the beginning, so many people are like, oh, I'm going to close in X, Y, Z amount of months or whatever. It's like, no, you're not <laughs> like, calm down. It's, it's a process. And I think why is because it's so network based and it's so word of mouth and like, you can cold pitch your heart out, but ultimately it comes down to like people here, you know, building buzz and people coming around and being like, oh, we love what you're doing. Have you met X, Y, Z? And that's really how it's happened very organically. And I think it's the, you know, I don't know if there are I don't, I don't know anything else. That's how we did it, but it's felt really good because you're able to build those relationships very intimately, very early on. So learn so much. I mean, having never done anything like this before, um, really pushed my growth edges, but it's been a very fantastic process and I'm very excited for what it will bring to the company. Nice. And so for those listening who are looking to find their lead investor, what and you mentioned you found it organically, like where, where did you start your hunt and where did you ultimately find your lead investor? Our lead investor was a true like diamond. We, it, it was the first person we talked to and, um, they just really understood. It was just like a perfect moment in time kind of situation. But where I started otherwise was just talking to other founders, especially founders who I, I knew or thought might have, um, raised capital and just asking them for advice. Um, and, and most people are very generous with their advice. And then they're like, Hey, actually you'd be perfect for, you know, and then they'd make some intros and they, those people made intros. So really just asking peers and founders or any advisors that you have. Beautiful. What's one interesting fact about you that not many people would know. Um, I used to play guitar and bass in like punk bands. <laughs> nice. Yeah like that I'm a, I'm a big punk fan where did punk go well go? yeah that's a whole nother podcast it's a whole nother <laughs> ah dear yeah you bring me back there what daily routines do you have whether morning or evening that have helped make you more successful mm -hmm. 
So in the morning, I try to wake up really slowly. I think that's like <laughs> super nerdily. It's really good for your microbiome to be on a set circadian rhythm and also not um, get stressed out too early. So I really try to avoid emails, phone, that kind of thing while I wake up very slowly. Uh, wake up around six and try to give myself until eight before I start working. So that looks like going for a long walk in the morning, making myself a tea, reading a book. Like I like to read business books in the morning before work. Um, that's kind of my time carved out for learning and for just like I mean, it's relaxing to read. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the morning and then crazy work day and then try to wrap up around five, seven at the latest. And I go for a walk in the woods, which is super relaxing and make a delicious, nutritious meal. Beautiful. What book or books have changed your mindset or life? A million herbalism books. Um, anything by Rosemary Gladstar was really formative for me because it made things so down to earth and digestible, um, which just inspired and informed so much of my work now and just how I relate to people about herbalism, especially clients, but also customers and um, and you know just teach about herbalism in general. Um, that's a hard one. I'm reading a, f I've read a few books this year and I'm reading a book now about the microbiome that are fundamentally changing science and fundamentally changing the way I think about health and how to approach that. So that's exciting. Um, and I'm reading a book right now by an author and researcher named Anne Ambrecht, and it's called the business of botanicals. It's all about the supply chain. So I think that's also, you know, I mean, you change your mindset over time, right? So th this is kind of what's informing me right now. Beautiful. What's the most exciting question you spend your time thinking about? The implications of current and cutting edge microbiome science. And what do you think the implications might be? Uh, uh, shift away from pharmaceuticals. Why is that important? Well, I, I not, I'm not trying to like malign pharmaceuticals at all. I think they're so important and I think it's more about holistic, uh, care. Um, but I think it's important because, I mean, if you look at antibiotics, we've, we've just fundamentally changed the symbiotic nature of our bodies by, by the overuse of antibiotics. Obviously they're life-saving when needed, but they're also used a lot for things that they shouldn't be or aren't needed for and are kind of a catch-all. Um, and, and so I think, and just, you know, with side effects, like, I just think there are a lot of alternatives that haven't been explored because of capitalism and, um, the lack of ability to patent natural products. Right. And I'm not saying at all, that's what I think is the right thing to do. That would change so many things, but I think, um, I think a path to complementary therapies is the way of the future. And, and I'm really excited to be a part of that. I think that's a fantastic answer. What advice would you give your younger self? I think just like, I mean, on one hand, I want to tell my younger self to like slow down because I think there was a lot of like burnout that happened in years past, just running the business and running myself into the ground and like, I also think that energy was how things moved so quickly, so fast. Um, 
So yeah, just like a, just maybe a bit more self-care a bit earlier and allowing or asking for help earlier. Beautiful. I, I, I echo that as well. I think that, I think that's a fantastic piece of advice for the younger generation, not just our, ourself, right? Like certainly myself would have benefited from that. What was your biggest challenge starting in business and how did you overcome it? I knew literally nothing. I did not know what I was doing. I was just kind of like doing what seemed right and <laughs> doing the next thing. Um, so I, 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 I think it's been endless challenges, which has been very fun, but also very challenging. Um, so every day we're overcoming something else, you know, like we're learning something new every day. And I think that's what keeps me engaged, uh, beyond just like herbalism and helping people and spreading that message um is just the like excitement of being like well never done this before <laughs> lovely what unusual or underrated food or drink should more people try out i imagine you're spoiled for choice here you know i'm yeah. thinking of so many things um let's see i just tried these macrobiotic ume plum candies that i got at Erwan a few weeks ago and um <laughs> They're so good for your digestion and they're just delicious. And uh, I've I never had them before. So they're these ume plum brown rice macrobiotic candies. And I will let that be my answer. Oh, man, if I had a dollar for every time a guest answered with ume biotic something plum candies, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you'd have a dollar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have one dollar now. Thank you very much for that. Um, and then final question, Lauren, it's an important one. What makes you happiest? Um, um, what makes me happiest is spending time with my loved ones doing really simple activities, either like reading a book in a hammock in the sun or going to like an apple orchard or cooking like a beautiful meal that like my grandma used to make like very simple homey like I'm such a homebody um things that connect us to the seasons and to food and to nature amazing phenomenal <laughs> I, I I wish there were more orchards actually around here but there is something we we get in in some form or other we get that answer like nature and 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 trees and the, and the sort of and water in particular like that feeling of of grounding earthing something freedom that sort of yeah yeah freedom just of, of enjoying that and I think that's such a fantastic answer to top off a fantastic answer round to top off a fantastic interview and at this point Lauren I'd like to ask you do you have any asks or requests of the audience listening today if you could go follow wooden spoon herbs you know follow along with our journey and keep up with what we're doing and share with your friends and try our products and subscribe to our newsletter those are my selfish asks and in general just like if you're listening, drink some water and eat a nourishing meal and take good care of yourselves. Amazing. Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time to, to share with us today. I've enjoyed geeking out plants and herbs. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing the things that are, that surround us that we don't necessarily notice on a daily basis and going to what is easy, what is convenient, what is just just you know the trodden path as opposed to uh, exploring this this absolute bounty of goodness and health and and stuff that's so much more 
natural unprocessed aligned with with nature and uh, and where we want to be and and you are truly an enlightened entrepreneur for and an advocate for this space and wooden spoon herbs is such a fantastic brand and, and guys and girls are listening today you just need to go check it out you need to just see the love care and attention that's gone into the brand and you need to buy all of the stuff as well as a side note but lauren thank you so much for taking the time once again thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today and just open our eyes to the other options that are out there and um yeah don't stop being you amazing thanks so much for having me martin Hey there, you incredibly good-looking human. Thanks so much for listening. If you had a good time today and would like more good times in the future, please hit that subscribe button and leave a heartwarming review. I read them all and it will go a long way to help others out there benefit from all the teachings of this show. And if you want to get in touch or otherwise learn more about me, head to martincook.co.uk or smarterdestiny.com. I really appreciate you. You're an incredible human. Until next time, keep crushing.